I feel for many of us who have spent our, many of our years as believers at the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know what's right because sometimes we do right and sometimes we know what's wrong because we do wrong. But there's another tree in the garden. You could spend your whole life sitting at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you still don't have life. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us to come and eat of a different tree. Read of the tree that's life, that's eternity. Jesus said that the thief comes to kill, maim, and destroy. But I have come that you can have life and have it in abundance. God help us, we pray. Not to come forward to a service and just go through some analytical thing where this is good, that's bad, sample the sermon, like this song, go like, Lord, help us to come to you. Help us, Lord, to pick off the tree of life this morning. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you, everyone. You may take your seats. Give someone a high five or a slap or something like that on a uh, nice, warm summer's day. Thank you, Sean. Let's give Sean a hand. Doesn't he do a great job? Thank you, Sean. So, welcome to church. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, Jeff's going to. We pray for Jeff um, a lot. I call him Lumpy Jeff now. But he's been kept alive by God's grace. Is there a green light? It's all right. Don't you love microphones? I actually don't need one. I've got a big voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't we serve a wonderful God? Amen. Yeah. Um, I was just sitting there and I just was remembering my little scripture in Second, sorry, in um, Philippians 2 where it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And um, in, in Ecclesiastes where it says that God makes everything beautiful in his time. You know, you know your situation, it's just a name. Every, that name will bow to the name of Jesus, you know what I mean? And remember that in that time, in God's beautiful time, it doesn't say in um, God makes all things be- beautiful in his time. You know, it's not going to be um, terrible, it's going to be beautiful, you know. And that situation, which everyone might be going through, you remember that that um that it's going to bow to the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? Let's confess it out, God. You said that every knee will bow, so your situation will bow to the name of Jesus because it will, you know. And in, in that in God's beautiful time, it's His time, God, because we go through things we don't know why sometimes, but we know that God's got a purpose for everything. And just hold on to Jesus, knowing that one day that that situation is going to bow. You know. And it's, going to, and, it's, and it's going to say that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. That's not going to work. Take my whole face. Turn me into a mummy.
I'd like to acknowledge Martin's parents all the way from the old country. Good to have you at church today. And we have uh, Eugene back from uh, the United States of America. Been doing some training over there, so it's good to have Eugene back in the house. Fantastic. And um, I would just like to pray. Paul Saunders does need a job. Thank you, Jesus, for saving his life. But it's uh, not to put him in the place of uh, hardship. So you want to pray for that. And I'm very conscious that there's a um, terrible um, super cyclone that's gone through the Philippines. So, you know, merciful God, we're just going to pray for the Philippines as well. And for Jeff and Sue, they, they have asked requests. They've, um, removed, they've been removed out of a shower. We've had uh, death threats in writing from the Taliban. And they've moved to another location and they've received more death threats. And so uh, the police will give them an escort to and from the premises where they are, but that tends to actually attract attention. So we're just going to pray. Father, you are a God of uh, infinite compassion. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. And, Lord, we just uh, bring these circumstances to you right now, Lord, for a release and blessing upon Paul. will be the provider, Lord. Lord, for those in the Philippines right now, through all the tragedies and the losses, dear God, let your grace be on display through kindness and through aid, through words of comfort, Lord. Do your wonder in that particular situation, Lord, as dreadful as it is. And Father, we just pray for the Smith family that you protect them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, it's my theory that miracles happen. Uh, we are getting some great... Uh, Stories coming from our church, and some of those will be, uh, we'll be able to put them up soon and really uh, just give God some glory over some wonderful things. But miracles do happen. And, you know, we're on a little bit of a journey with this. We're going to try and stimulate faith. And the first thing that we attempted to do is that we need to get it fixed in our mind that God's heart towards us is willing. He not only loves you, but He likes you. He's on your side. And then we've moved into facet a few of the other things that God who did it once before can do it again that the God who did it for someone else can do it for you that the God who did it somewhere else can do it here and so that's just a, a little platform that we're building we're going to just uh, look at one aspect of that uh, another aspect of that this morning and Sam I do feel like I'm in a hole so do you want me to change microphones Fallbacks on. Anyway, tomorrow is the uh, 11th of November, and 11 o'clock we'll be celebrating again the uh, Armistice Day, the close of what was meant to be the Great War, the war to end all wars, where the nation will take, well, many of us will take a minute's silence to celebrate the fact that 95 years ago the Great War finished. And it was 20 years ago at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier uh, a person who shares the same name as me, Keating, did a great speech at the interment of the unknown soldier. Uh, it was a great speech. And of course, as a nation, we do celebrate the fact and acknowledge the fact that a great sacrifice was paid by over 100,000 Australians in that one war and the shedding of their blood brought us freedom. We celebrate that and we honour that, and so should we. However, I want to go from the unknown soldier today to the known saviour. 
His name is Jesus Christ. And his shed blood did more than grow poppies and flanders, but set us free forever. That his blood washes away all sin. That his sacrificial life is the cure for sin, for suffering, and for sickness. That Jesus is real. And that he not only really died, but he really was risen from the dead. And he really exists here today. And that his heart hasn't changed. That Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. His heart's not moved. And when the leper came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 and says, Lord, are you willing that you would cleanse this leper? He said, I am willing. But more than that, he reached out and he touched the leper. Wow. Amazing stuff. This morning I want to look a little bit at the importance of faith. David Bolt stole my sermon. Good on you, Dave. But faith is a key. It's not the only key, but faith is an essential key to the miraculous. I think God is primarily motivated to move on our hearts because he loves us. I think that's the primary motivation. But he's incredibly pleased when we believe. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That whoever believes in him must believe that he exists and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. So faith is an essential key. And probably one of the classic verses is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is what God liked about them. They had faith. And uh, we understand, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of that which is not seen. Brilliant physics. I think the Bible is so brilliant like that. This is what the physics tells us now. The latest in, uh, scientific advancement now is there is actually no such thing as matter. It's all energy. It all has no existence. Can't even define what energy is. The chair you sit on actually doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, it, it knocks the head in a little bit because we're always very matter conscious. But the Bible said, right, thing, by faith we understand that everything that we see came out of that which didn't exist. Isn't that amazing? It's in the Bible. By faith. And this is the way God does it. God says a word and then he believes his word. God says, let there be light. And guess what happens? There's light. (laughs) It's amazing. God, when he makes things, when he creates things, he says a word. And then his word, invested with faith, produces creation. Creates the universe, creates the world. And the Bible tells that even our, world, even our words have creative effect. Now, we're not God. Aren't you so glad that your words don't have the same power that God would have? Because you might say something like, I'm dying for a cup of tea. And boom, that's it, you're gone. <laughs> You've simply drowned in a cup of tea, you're gone, you know, so... It's probably good that, you know, our words don't have quite the same creative power as God's, but we are learning that there's power in what we say. Do not underestimate what you have on your lips, and you can sink your ship by what's on your lips. 
There you So anyway, don't get to that. Get to the point. So by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. By faith, Abel speaks even though he's still dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He, didn't, he could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken away, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you want something from God, you have to believe. You have to believe that he exists and that he wants to move on your behalf. Here's the deal. Believe that exists, seek him, and you'll get something. Now, that sounds a bit crass and a bit commercial, but it's what the Bible says. If you believe that God exists, seek him out, then God will reward you for doing that. It's in the Bible. I love it. I love how Woos puts it, the great Greek scholar of the last century. Now, faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the great proof of things that will not be seen. So this is getting behind the original Greek language and is giving it probably a more accurate understanding. See, faith apprehends as real fact that which is not revealed to our senses. I want to say that again so you can get me, all right? Faith takes as real that which your senses cannot support. What you can't physically see, what you can't physically hear, what you can't physically smell, touch, whatever... Faith takes it as done and real. If you like, faith is the sixth sense. Okay? We have our other five senses. The sixth sense is, I know this is real, even though I can't see it, I can't hear it, I can't touch it, whatever. Faith accepts it as real. It rests on the fact that it's done and upheld by the face of what senses may seem to contradict. Faith is a real resting and seeing in God. Faith sees what the senses can't see. So now faith is the substance or the foundation. It's a hypostasis, that which gathers up. It's what you stand upon and the title deed of that which you hope for. So I'm going to make this very simple today. And my hope and prayer is that the Holy Spirit will take something of my words and make them your words, anointed of God for you. Hypostasis is made up of the word stasis, which means to stand. Hupo, under, to stand up under, means foundation. It speaks of the ground on which we build our hope. It speaks of where we stand in terms of how we perceive our future. That is what faith is. They say that it, um, you know, the, it, it also relates, for example, if you're buying a house. And eventually, hopefully, you'll get a title deed saying you own your house. The title deed. You may never have seen the house, but once you've got that title deed in your hand, you know that you own that house. You understand? If I give you a good check for $1,000, not a good check, a bad check, but a good check, then you know you've got $1,000. You've not yet physically seen it. You can't see the $1,000. You can't see the house. But you know that you know that you know because you've got the got the proof you got the evidence for it this is what faith is so very simply i want to tell you the time of faith the time of faith is now 
Now faith is. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, not what happened a week ago, not what the doctor told you in the doctor's surgery six months ago. Faith is now. It lives in this moment. Now is the day of salvation. You can't get saved next week. You can't get saved last week. There's only the opportunity now to hear the word of God and for that word to come and strike your heart. There's revelation and it happens now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of healing. Now is the day of getting free. Now. Faith lives in the now. Not tomorrow. You look at tomorrow, you tend to fall into worry. If you look behind you, you tend to live in history. Faith is in the now. Now faith is. I want to tell you the shape of faith. It's hope. Now faith is what you hope for. What are you hoping for? You sit and listen to some people over a cup of coffee and they're hoping they're going to survive. Well, that's actually their faith. You know, my faith is I don't know if I'm going to survive. You sit to some people and you listen to their talk. What are you hoping for? Well, I hope, you know, I hope our relationship can last. I hope we're going to be actually, I hope I don't kill her, you know. (laughs) You know, what are you hoping for? I hope I don't go bankrupt. You know, I'm hoping this. Real faith is actually believing in what you hope for. I actually think that faith can work in reverse as well as forward. I think that people who don't even know Jesus Christ can operate in a faith, in a belief, and actually get what they believe for. You hear what I'm saying? I've known people who believe, for example, you know, um, you know, I'm going to die of cancer. And, you know, eventually they die of cancer. They actually got what they believe for. I've known of people who've had these situations where, you know, I'll never find a partner, you know. I'm only ever going to find dropkick uh, boyfriends and I'm only ever going to do a waste, you know. And if that's what they believe, I find people actually see that happening on their life. So faith can work in reverse. So I want to just challenge you now. The shape of faith is hope. What are you hoping for? In my encouragement, hope for the best. Hope for God's promises. Hope for the elevation of Scripture. The time of faith is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not today. It happens in the now. The shape of faith is hope. And the power of faith is confidence. It's a settling in here. Faith is not this. I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to... I mean, that's more like constipation, you know. (laughs) Faith is not struggle. Real faith is actually a rest. It's a deep-seated peace. And everybody can say all sorts of other things around you and you just know that you know that you're not here. No, that's not it. I'm at peace. I know what God's doing. I've heard from God. So it's a confidence. It's a settling. So let me give you, some of you heard me say this again, but if I could think of a better way of telling you how to get faith and to get a miracle, I would tell you a better way. Is that okay if I tell you what I've told you before? Well, Paul did it over and over again in the Bible, so I can do it. Faith. Okay, here we go. Faith. F-A-I-T-H. Did my dyslexia kick in then or was that right? I got that one right for a change. So F, okay, find a promise from God. Find it. Find the promise. I find that the word of God generally doesn't help anybody, but specifically is the key to breakthrough. 
If you're struggling with an issue, whatever you're looking for, you need to find what God's saying to you about that problem. And if that takes time, if it means you've got to spend time in the presence of the Lord or come out and get prayer and hope that God might speak in a prophecy or whether you actually just read the Bible saying, God, please speak to me, I think you need to get a word from God because God says his word and then he watches over it to perform. So it's very important you get God's will for your life on that situation. And I've seen quite strange things. There's a lady in our church, she's still alive today, dear friend of ours. Um, she's quite aged now, actually. But uh, in my first church, she was um, beginning to get quite bad kidney problems. And the doctor was saying, you've probably got kidney disease and you're looking at dialysis. You know, Not, not a good outcome. So I said, you know, you need to go and find out what God's saying. We'll pray and we'll stand with you. But what's God saying to you specifically? So she goes away. She prays for a little while and comes back. And apparently God said to her, drink water. Now, I I wasn't much of a medico, but water's not going to hurt you, I think. Well, it kills people every day, apparently, (laughs) by immersion. So she went away to drink water. And for some reason, it just flushed out her body and the kidneys have been fine. She got a word from... That's actually more than just a promise. It was actually direction. It was a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and a word of faith and a gift of faith as well. But, you know, that's better, isn't it, than rushing off to the doctors because sometimes the doctors are not very good with their words. It's better than rushing off to your friends. You know, and I find sometimes people will find the right friend depending on what's actually already in here. You know, so you know, I'm feeling like I don't want to work on my relationship anymore with my partner. So I'll go out and I'll find someone else who's already divorced and hates men and we'll, we'll actually suddenly find agreement on that. <laughs> it's amazing how that will connect. So be very careful at the voices you allow in your life. If you want a miracle, you need to guard the words over your life. Guard them. So find a promise from God. I actually have a book that's got all the promises of God in the Bible in it. You know, the scripture keys and things like that. There are many ways you can do it. But find something that jumps out of the pages at you and pokes you in the eye. Have something that when you sleep, that scripture comes to you over and over again. Have something that you know God is saying to you about. So find your promise. That's F, amens. Then you've got to apply the promise. So what I mean is you've got to work the word because the word works when you work the word. So you get that promise and you begin to apply it to your life. You begin to do things like uh, memorize scripture. And I know I just said something that's probably a little bit boring, a little bit dull. But I've just said something that can save your life. I've said something that can change your life. I've said something that actually is what works. Getting God's promise, that scripture of your life, and then building it into your spirit, speaking it out. Faith comes by hearing. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You actually need to hear that promise. It's great to think that promise. It's good. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. You need to hear that promise. You need to get out that promise and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. That's going to be my reality. That's my promise and I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to put it on my lips and I'm going to say it and say it and say it until it happens. 
It actually works. Change your life. Memorize. Get that scripture. Build it into your life. Marinate it. Do whatever's necessary. So, uh, F-A-I, I want you to imagine the promise. I think faith does see. Doesn't see with these eyes, but sees with these eyes. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 1, may the eyes of your inner heart or the eyes of your understanding be open that you might see the unsearchable riches that you have in Jesus Christ. Faith sees with this. And you do need to see it here. So I would really encourage you, turn on your imagination. You know, see yourself running down the beach. See yourself uh, preaching in front of the crowd. See yourself with the bank manager putting paid on it. Whatever you need to do, begin to visualize it. Abraham is the father of faith. And he had a promise. And the promise was that despite the fact that your body's good as dead, you're going to have children. And he tried to help God out and all the rest, but it was a long time. Faith is dreadfully tested the longer you have to wait for your miracle. Who can believe God for a second? I can believe God for a second. I could probably go to 10 seconds. (laughs) When that 10 seconds becomes six months, a year, whatever, that's when you get that erosion that David was talking about. Then experience begins to speak louder than the revelation that we have in the Word of God. But in Abraham's case, you know, you're going to have a son. And it looks like he wavered a bit between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And so God says, well, what I want you to do, Abraham, have a look at the sand. Try and count them. It's just not a pretty story. I think God says, count them, Abraham. (laughs) You know, actually count those sands. Now look up the stars. I want you to look up the stars. And I want you to count those stars. Every time Abraham went to bed, he probably laid down on sand and lay down on his back and looked up the sky and saw stars. He was given a visual picture of what it looks like. And that shapes your miracle. One of the most peculiar stories in the Old Testament is the one where Jacob is working for his uncle Laban. And he's been messed around with wages and wives and things like this. And one of the deals was, uh, hey, I'll give you all the speckled sheep. And uh, all the speckled sheep that have babies, if they're speckled, you can keep the speckled ones. But if they have just normal ones, then I'll keep the normal ones, etc. So what uh, Jacob did is that he said, oh, well, when they come to the watering trough, these sheep to actually drink, I'm going to put speckled rods in front of them. You know, pop your trees and carve them out and stuff like this. And apparently all the sheep became speckled. And then he reversed it around the other way. Now, Jacob said, this isn't, uh, Laban said, this is not working for me. I'll do it the other way around because they're all obviously they're doing. So they put clear ones and they all came out actually plain coloured. Here's the principle here. What you see when you're feeding will determine who you are. What you see as you feed will shape who you are. You know, when we're beginning to feed our soul, we can feed our soul, we can nourish ourselves on... TV, Foxtel, books, internet, Facebook. We can make that our environment to feed. But guess what you'll come? You'll become like Facebook and Foxtel. And if you feed on your promise, guess what will happen? It will shape your promise. So F, find the promise. A, apply the promise. I, imagine the promise. Think of the 
Think of your blood system and seeing little angels running around your blood system and killing off the bad bits, or you know, um, see yourself, you know, as uh, you know, there's, there I am, and I'm imagining the Holy Spirit's coming upon me, and all the electricity is going through my body. I'm being imagine it, put it in your mind, find a promise, apply it to your life, and image it. Is this okay? Is it just hot and sticky? Is this? Am I helping anybody here today? Okay, did I come to the right church today? <laughs> T. T is time to finish. No, T is tell the promise. You've got to put it on your lips. And again, you've heard me say this before, but it's just very good. Tell yourself. You do need to challenge because the devil will come and he will lie to you. He'll try and steal your promise. He'll try and insert negative thoughts in your life, negative experiences, negative pain. So you need to tell the devil Get behind me, you liar. If you want to use stronger language, I don't know. Is it okay to swear at the devil? <laughs> I'm not too certain. But at least make him unhappy. Don't give him any room and give him some joy. You know? So you need to tell the devil, get behind me. Some of the thoughts that come into your mind aren't your thoughts. They're not you. And what you need to do is say, that's not me. Get out of here. Get behind me, Satan. If you want to stay in front of the devil... Just tell them to get behind you. Okay. Tell the promise to yourself. Tell the promise to other people. Now, that's tricky because I'm not into denial. There is a form of the presentation of faith where we move into the denial of reality. That's not what the Bible teaches. Despite a lot of books that you can buy from Kuron, the Bible teaches that we acknowledge reality. But you still need to acknowledge God's future for your life. So what comes out of your mouth is important. So you need to tell other people, okay? Yes, I have X, Y, Z, but God's healing me. Or I have this, but we're believing God for a better... We we need to say what we believe God's going to do. And even if it doesn't happen, this is the deal. Can I tell you the absolute truth? Peter wants to hear it. (laughs) Can I give you the absolute truth? In Hebrews chapter 11, there is great scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, etc. For this is the ancients were commended for. It's actually connected to chapter 10, would you believe? And in chapter 10, there's a long, hist- uh, long uh, sorry, it goes into chapter 12, but uh, chapter 10, there's this long list of those that have gone before. And it has this expression, some died without receiving what they were hoping for. And God was pleased with them. And one day, together, it'll all be wrapped up in a place called eternity and there'll be no tears, no shame, no loss, and it'll all be okay. So here's the deal. If something was to happen to me in a way, Um, I will have my last breath believing what God's told me. I will breathe my last trusting in a God who's infinite, who's gracious and is good. My last breath will be my God is Lord, Saviour, King, Redeemer, Healer, Deliverer. And if I do die, don't cry for me, Argentina. (laughs) actually rejoice. I got to go home and I got to go home early. Even if I lose, I win. 
Hallelujah. Even if I lose, I win. And then we get to heaven, we can ask God all those other difficult questions. So we've got to tell ourselves, we've got to tell the people around us, and we also need to tell God, thank you, God. Keep your language right. Thank you, God. You are going to do this for me. Thank you for my miracle. I'm grateful that you're coming through. It might be 13 years and I still don't have a son. I've had an Ishmael and I've wavered, but thank you, God. You love me and you won't let me fail here because I cannot fail. Because for me to fail, you have to fail and you have never failed. For you to fail, then the whole universe would cease to exist. It cannot be. Jesus is this wonderful God that will invite Peter out onto the water and stays walking on water and takes his eyes off Jesus. I mean, how bad's that? Taking your eyes off Jesus in the middle of your storm, looking at your own energy. Now you're doing the dog, the dog paddle and you're drowning. You know what Jesus does? He reaches down, picks him up and says, come on, let's go back to the boat. That's the heart of our God. He's not going to let you drown. You're going to be okay. So uh, what have we done? F-A-I-T-H. I think it's very important and it's helped the promise. Real faith does something. Real faith isn't just a thought in your head. You do something. It's not a works thing, but real faith is accomplished by your first action to do. It may be the simple act of giving your lunch. It may be tithing when you can't afford it. It might be... um, you know, seeking out a new doctor. It might be going for marriage counselling. I don't know what your issues are. It might be reading a book or whatever. But faith does something. James says that faith without action is dead. If you're not doing anything at all to pursue your miracle, you actually don't have biblical faith. You've got a nice dream. You've got a nice wish. Real faith does something. So Abraham, James says, made his faith complete by what he did. You know, I do think that he and Sarah did something for the child to come. <laughs> you know, you reckon I'm right? <laughs> I don't think the baby came down, you know, with a stalk with little cherub wings or something. <laughs> I think they did something. True? We have to do something. If you're looking for a job, you have to do something. Pick up a phone, get on the internet, whatever. If you're looking to get your own, you have to do something. Go home, be nice, you know. If you want to see some breakthrough, you've got to do something. Real faith does something. We have our faith completed by what we do. So because of your unbelief, in Matthew 17, verse 20, uh, that's why you weren't able to move this. But then Jesus says, using the divine oath, amen, amen, I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed and you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move. And then these most audacious statements, and nothing will be impossible for you. I mean, if it said God, you'd be saying, okay, I can live with that. No, I understand there's nothing impossible for God. But the Bible actually says... That if you believe and you say to your mountain, how big that mustard seed? And if you believe that, then nothing will be impossible for you. Oh, oh, do we actually believe that? If that can go off in our hearts as revelation, 
Now, yes, it needs to be aligned to God's will and all the rest, but we've established it's God's will. Then nothing will be impossible for you. It is interesting that the other synoptic gospels quote the same scripture, but they put in God. They, they actually do the more Christian thing. You know, they put God in there. But in this particular passage, Matthew wants to make it very clear that faith is so powerful, you just need the smallest part of faith and mountains move. Absolutely incredible things. This is the position and the posture of the kingdom of God. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will be fine. This is the posture of the kingdom. The doors have been opened. The veil has been ripped. The blood has been shed. The Savior has been risen. This is God's riches, grace made available to his children without merit. Blessed are you when you understand this. Doesn't matter how low you are. Doesn't matter your position. This is the good news of the kingdom. Everybody qualifies. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We are all invited to this new kingdom, this new king who rules, King Jesus, who's got power and healing and deliverance in his hand, for who the sun sets free is free indeed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's an old joke, but I'm an old pastor. I heard a bell go behind me. It's an old joke. Man's walking past a cliff and he trips over and he falls over the cliff. Everybody goes, ooh. And he grabs a branch on the way down. So he's hanging on to the branch. And as he's hanging there, he's crying out, help. That's what I would do. Help. Anybody up there? And eventually there's this voice comes to him and says, yes, what do you want? And he says, uh, who's that? He says, the Lord. And he says, help. He says, yes, it's the Lord. Help me, Lord. And he says, let go of the branch. And there's this long pause. And the man yells back, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> it's an old joke. But I think we're a bit like that sometimes. This thing of faith sometimes is very difficult. And it does mean letting go of control. We live in this illusion, brothers and sisters, where we think we're actually in control of our life. I've got my Medicare card. I've got my health. I've got my car. Everything's okay. We think that we're in control. A very good friend of mine recently just had a knock at the door and the police uh, raided his house and his whole house has been turned upside down in the most incredible unjust way. It might eventually become a movie and a story that would just be unbelievable. He's been a minister for many, many years. He says, you know, we think we're in control at any moment. There's the knock on the door. And part of the miraculous is about acknowledging, God, I am not in control and I have to let go and let you catch me. And that's something that's not a, hum a humanly easy thing to do, is it? Uh, oil was discovered, this is my, I'll close with this. And oil was discovered on an Oklahoma property belonging to an elderly Indian. I mean, a red Indian, an American Indian. All his life he'd been poverty stricken and just scratching out a very basic living. And then they discovered oil on his land. He became a very, very wealthy man. 
So why did he do This is a true story. I'm just not a preacher story. This one's actually true. And he actually wanted to buy the biggest car possible. So he, got, he bought the largest Cadillac you could possibly buy, and then he had it stretched, uh, an amazing thing. And so he wanted this longest car. He even added four spare tires to the car so that it could be long enough. And he would dress up in all his new clothes, had his nice new hat and his new suit. And every day he would take his Cadillac into a dusty little town nearby because he wanted everybody to see him in his new Cadillac, wave at everybody, you know, da da The only trouble was, interestingly enough, the Cadillac was pulled by four horses. <laughs> you see, he never learned to drive. That's a small problem. So he got his old horses and put it on the front of the Cadillac and go into town every day. I think some Christians don't realize that when you come to Jesus Christ, there's actually new stuff to do. You don't have to do the old stuff the way that you used to know it. You're actually meant to change the way that you do things. And we're trying to live life on four horsepower. When underneath the bonnet, there's a hundred and how many horsepower would a Cadillac have, Paul? 250? 250, 250 horsepower <laughs> sitting there. Guys, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. I wonder if just faith is just the ignition switch to turn it on when we get our miracles. There is faith. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 3, that to each one is given the mustard seed, the measure of faith. So if you know Jesus Christ, you have faith. You have it. The Bible says that, the, that faith the size of a mustard seed, that's not, pretty, that's not big faith, is it? Can move mountains. So here's the reality. You've got faith. You've got enough faith to move mountains. I'm going to dare you to start moving mountains. Dare you to start hoping for a better future. Dare you. And then all that can come then the gift of faith, which is that sudden impartation where the word of God strikes revelation. So let's stand and we're going to pray and uh, we're going to ask God to shift us from doubt, questions, worries, all very natural human responses. That doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means that you're human. We're going to pray that God is going to give us the gift of faith, that he'll stir up the measure of faith within us. I, you know, I am believing God that one day I'll be able to stand up in front of this congregation and say that my wife is totally healed of Parkinson's disease. That, you want to know what Mike's believing for? What Mike's hoping for? I'm hoping for an incredibly well, healthy wife. That's my hope. And I'm still searching for my direct promise. I haven't found. I've got many general promises, but I can't yet say to you that I know exactly what my faith promises. I haven't got to my find it yet. It's going to come. It's going to come. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to let that incubate. And then I'll apply it, and then I'm going to imagine it, and then I'm going to tell it, and I'm going to help it. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm going to believe God for a miracle. I'm believing God for all sorts of miracles right now. I'm going to move mountains over and over again. We've done it before. We can do it again. You may need to name your mountain might be a different mountain to mine. But may God give us faith. Faith is all that we need to see it happen.
So, Father, just uh, just raise your hands right now in the presence of God. Uh, Lord, I, I am just a, a simple, fumbling, bumbling pastor. But, Lord, your word has the ability to form universes. One word from you, Lord, changes everything. One word from you, Father, believed in, changes our situation. So, Father, we're going to say, Mountain, you've got to move. I speak right now in the name of Jesus. Mountain, be moved. Lord, I pray against doubt. I pray against anxiety and worry and depression. I pray against, Lord, the thought life, Father, that takes us, Lord, to different places. I pray, Lord, that you would speak so clearly that we'd be settled in rest. And, Lord, each of us would fight the good fight of faith. Because, Lord, it's a, it is a fight that we win. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we're going to see miracle after miracle after miracle in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that this will be a house that will see signs and wonders. That, Lord, we will see those that we love. Lord, people coming to the sound mind, people getting out of their wheelchairs, Lord. People, Lord, seeing, Father, relationships restored. Father, I thank you that, there, Lord, there are people alive today in this church because of the prayers and the belief of the saints. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there are jobs, that there's relationships. Lord, there are even babies here, Lord, that have come because you are a good God. Lord, we're not clever. We're not taking any of the credit to ourselves. We give you full credit. We ask you to build a, thr- a throne, Lord, of your fame in this place. To your glory we ask it. Lord, let faith come. Come and rise in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dell's one of our miracles.